We welcome back to the show today, regular guest hosts, Phil Stagal and Terry Canova. How are you doing today, Terry? I am good. I am being a little bit lazy. I'm going to spend uh, from uh, probably 1.30 to 7 p.m. tonight in the gym getting ready for basketball. So right now I'm in my comfy bed under the covers uh, away from the freezing cold 30-degree weather in Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> I think that sounds like a very sensible place to be. How are you doing today, Phil? Doing well, sir. Thank Dude. you. I must be honest, I need a bit of cheering up. We're talking off here. I, I played golf earlier on and I managed to hit five balls in water on various holes uh, and also lots of others into the into the woods and trees. So, yeah, not a very fun. So I'm hoping my afternoon is going to be somewhat better than my, my morning was. Um, Terry, I, do you know what I, I meant to check? What's going on in the NFL? Are the Saints still in it? What's going? Are they out? What's happening? No, no, the, the Saints uh, did not make the playoffs. Right, they, okay. uh, they they lost the tiebreaker. They did not make the playoffs. We are in day two of what they call the divisional round. Uh, basically, you know, you divide it into the NFC and the AFC. So the NFC and the AFC championships are next week. And right, so then okay. the following would be the Super Bowl. Yep. Fine. And what, um, how the, the Sooners still carrying on? Is that postseason as well? Sorry for my complete ignorance here. Uh, well, well, the Sooners, no, college football is wrapped. College, college football is wrapped. Okay. Wrapped. Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. Cool. Crikey. I should have done my research. This is what I, what I get when I improvise at the start of a show. Is I'm just <laughs> like, yeah, sorry about that, guys. It's, but yeah, two, two bad questions. Um, so we're going to review today a show. Uh, we're going back in time. So obviously, we've, we've explained on the show before, and we've talked about it off air around 1986 in terms of trying to find weekly Mid-South episodes is, is pretty tricky. And there's a big hole coming up in February. Um, so what we're going to do today is I noticed that there was a you know a special event on WB Network. There's also a version on YouTube. And I actually haven't spoken to the guys about this. This is actually one that you attended, Phil, wasn't it? So back on July the 27th, 1985 at Skelly Stadium, I hope I pronounced that right, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, was WrestleFest. So yeah, Phil, t- talk to me about Skelly Stadium. Um, and do you, do you I, I think this might have been the only wrestling show ever held there, but I could be wrong about that. What, what are your memories of, of this place? Well, yeah, um, Tulsa, uh, Skelly Stadium, uh, Tulsa Fairgrounds, they, they would often have all different kinds of events there. And obviously this wasn't during the state fair time because it was too early in the year being in mm. July. So I do remember times where there would be events during the actual state fair. If you recall a couple of years ago, Stephen, when I started coming on occasionally, you asked me, you know, how I got involved uh, in wrestling, what was my earliest memories of wrestling. And you obviously don't remember because we're going back to like episode 10 of your podcast, right? Um, but I told you, although I grew up in a small town outside Oklahoma City, I often spent my summers in Tulsa. Oh, I got, oh, a lot okay. of relatives, got a lot of relatives in Tulsa. I'd spend weeks there at a time during the summer. Um, and, you know, uh, had a had an uncle that was uh, a little bit into wrestling. So um, we would, uh, uh, like I said, spend some time up there and uh, occasionally – uh, I'd have an older relative, you know, take me along to the matches. So um, I'd forgotten pretty much about this one a- until you brought it up because it, it hadn't been in my – I thought I'd watched every Mid-South video there is the past yes. 20 yeah. years, a couple of times, but I didn't didn't find out about this one. So, uh, yeah, this brought back some, some memories of that day. Uh, I remember um, 
you know, talking about temperatures, this is uh, July in Oklahoma. So it's not unfrequent to have temperatures, you know, over a hundred degrees, which Celsius would be, I looked it up. It's about 38 degrees Celsius. Yeah. That's, that's now, I don't nice. think, yeah. I don't think it was that warm that day. It doesn't look like it was. Uh, but you, um, if you notice, there was a lot of people sitting up under the pavilion there, yes. yeah. which is a thing that was also what that is at grandstand there where this show takes place. If I recall, that was also a dirt track for a lot of race cars. Ah, interesting. Yeah, I wonder what it was okay. used for. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we'd call it like midget car racing. We, mm. I guess they call it little people racing now. I don't know. But it was uh, full-size <laughs> drivers and very small cars, but they called it midget cars. And it was dirt track. And I believe that weekend, there's something that uh, will come up later. I believe they were having a big monster truck rally event there. Ah, okay. Now, yeah. There might have been a monster truck show that evening after that but uh oftentimes if you bought a ticket to the wrestling event you'd get in to maybe the state fair free mm. uh you couldn't just buy a ticket to one of you know to the fair and get in but i, I don't think this was the state fair that time but i do have memories of going there when they have other events and wrestling was included uh hey, hey phil I, I will say just listening to the commentary uh, one of the versions that I watched, I don't know if we all w watched the same version, but uh, Jim Ross is doing commentary over it. And they're advertising yes. that the next year it is doing a state fair. And if you buy a ticket to wrestling, you get in a state fair free. So it's exactly okay. what you're talking about. Yep. Okay, good, good. Yeah. I, I thought they looked like a pretty, pretty good crowd at Hannah. And I, I haven't, I haven't been able to find uh um, official number but i i think this has got to be i i guessing looking at it i thought this was maybe seven to ten thousand what what do you think for in terms of I yeah. minimum minimum of five when i was looking at it because yeah uh, but it seems like that was uh back then obviously five to ten was was, was quite normal for yes for mid -tail. yeah which would have, would have been gay. And it's, it was an interesting place. It seemed like they had a big grandstand on one side, but in the other side, which they showed quite a lot because they had the, the steady cam at ringside and they were moving around quite a lot. But it looked like the other side of the ring was was flat. Was that is that how you, you how you sort of remember? Can you remember whereabouts you I know this is this is asking rolling the clock back. Can you remember whereabouts you were? I was trying to look, I was trying to remember. <laughs> but a bit, you know, I'd been in that stadium more than once for different things too mm. not just wrestling you know i've been there several times so um unfortunately 37 years ago whatever it is i, I really couldn't remember but i would think I, if if it's what i'm thinking as you look i would be to our as you're watching the video to the left um uh, up i'm pretty sure i tried to get up underneath the pavilion yeah see how the sun because yes. you could see a little bit better. You had sunblock. We'd learned that to not only you block from the sun, but just you don't have any glare in your eyes from the sun. Yeah. Kind of thing. It made me think back to, I went with my, the first time I ever took um, my wife to a wrestling event in the States was at Levi Stadium for WrestleMania in 2015. Levi Stadium was unbelievable. I think it was pretty new then, maybe been a year, open a year. Um, and we sat, and I, I was a bit worried about the sun because it was really hot. It was probably... 80 so not like mega mega hot but hot enough um and uh we sat down and as i sat down the sun was just on my knees but I, I, with every minute that went past it was it was i was getting more in the shade so it's perfect but the poor people on the other side of the ring were just in the sun 
and literally probably from I think it was what time would it have started Pacific times probably 4 p.m until the sun went in I was in the sun and Brits are terrible when it comes to sunblock they're like no, no, let me get me on the beach it's fine I've been burnt so many times stupidly because I'm an absolute idiot so I'm sure I think there were a lot of Brits in the travel package over that side of the room so they just got a lot of the next night of raw there were a lot of sunburnt faces unfortunately um but no, it, look, it looked like a, it looked like I always really enjoy these sort of shows when it look anything that looks different more often than not is a good thing because especially now you're so used to AEW and WWE just look, everything looks the same most of the time so I thought this was this was really good fun um moving into the first match we had Mark Reagan versus Al Perez Al Perez a big a big favorite of mine um they had a handshake pre-match do you, do you like this sort of thing Terry do you like a bit of sportsmanship or would you rather they just tear into each other from the start I think it's good to have a a a mixture you know uh it always I always thought it was kind of fun once in a while to have what they would call back then a, a scientific match. Yes. You know, yes. and, uh, you know, you, you don't get to see, see those very often. So, you know, and, and I, I think always, you know, that first match of the show, you know, now later on after you, we've, we've learned yeah, more yeah. about the behind the scenes stuff, that first match, typically you want it to entertain the crowd. You want it to kind of get the crowd warmed up, but you're not going to do anything any high spots or anything that'll take away from later matches. It's kind of like a, an opening uh, comedian, you know, uh, yes. for stand-up yes. comedy show. Get yeah. the crowd yeah. ready to go. Get them, get them excited. But let's don't give them any of the big stuff yet. So, so I thought it's good. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a that's a pretty good and thorough kind of explanation of this match. And um, just to, just to go through some of the finer points, there was no commentary on this show apart from one one match. In, added in post which we'll talk about later um and in the early going we got a, got a camera shot as we talked about see this to show the grandstand on one side um it was really it was really not you could see the crowd really well here i mean obviously um daylight show so i just thought it looked really really good on 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 camera um, and i don't know i wonder why it was taped i guess some of this stuff was taped for um use some power pro wrestling but i don't know what were, were there any 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 videotapes um phil that you can remember ever being sold by mid-south um i do not at all no yeah. i don't know because i think that's a lot that I, I was listening to a um it's, i'm guessing on the show next week next week actually there's a, there's a really good uh show from three guys in bristol that just they just they just uh review random events a random wrestling podcast um and they were doing a, a show from the awa on christmas night that not only did it have no commentary but only had one fixed camera position so you're like well, why i wonder why this was taped but it's probably for just the the, the, the odd finish might have been shown on these television but no one back in july 85 thought that anyone would probably ever watch this show again so it wasn't right. about we're going to wrestlemania is very different from that now because obviously they, they live off their past so they're going to you know all bells and whistles and show it in a certain way but no one ever really this was never intended to be watched again much later on um there were a few go on owl shouts from ringsiders and, and this was mike tremendously well because you could really hear the individual people shouting out things in the crowd um, but unfortunately the, 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 the chant didn't really get going um there were lots of holds and mat work in this as, as, as terry mentioned and um, which kind of kind of set that you could feel the crowd wanting to really get into it but they were they were kind of holding back a little bit. And um, I thought the closing sequence is Al leapfrogged Reagan and hit him with a German suplex for the win in five minutes and 55 seconds was really, really good. I think these two probably could have a different position on the card. I think these two really could have stepped it up and we could have got um, you know, something a lot more exciting, but it was fine for what it was, I thought. Um, Phil, what did you think of this opener? Yeah, I've got some notes on the match here, and I gotta I gotta say that uh, Terry, you're 
your analysis, you're, you're an absolute genius because that's exactly what I had in my notes. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we know now that the formula was, you know, that a lot of these shows, the, the formula was the first match, the warm-up match, very scientific, guys get along. You make it look like a sport and not a show. Mm. You make it, it, it's a, it's a legitimate fighting contest and mm-hmm. everybody's, and then, but then later, maybe another match, the guys maybe get a little upset at each other during the match and then uh, get the violence escalates. And then by the time you get to the, the last match, these guys already hate each other to get into the ring. Right. Yeah. So uh, that now you are correct, Stephen, these guys absolutely could have been further up the card and done more. They both had the ability to obviously um, do a lot more than to let them do here. Um, but, um, yeah, the crowd is definitely for Al, uh, for sure. Um, you can hear him chant for Al. And as you notice, uh, the crowd to Terry's point, it's warm. All those ringside seats aren't filled up yet. Mm, um, yes. It, you know, and the, uh, they're pretty close, but the crowd fills in more and more as you go along. But, uh, I did notice that he was talking about how they start with a handshake mm. to keep with that if you noticed uh, after they've been into the match for a minute or two and they've traded some holds, they hop up and they stop and they shake hands shake again. Shake hands again. Yes. Yeah. Shake hands again. Just to make the point that, Hey, th- we're just a couple athletes out here trying to have our regular old wrestling. Match, yeah. So lovely. Uh, Terry, what did you think of it? Anything more to add on what you said, which was said earlier on? No, no, the same thing. I, uh, what I will say is, is I, I remember I found this video Several several years back, I was in one of those kicks where I just got tired of seeing the studio matches. I wanted mm. to see more house show matches. And I remember finding this many, many years ago. I was so excited because, you know, there is a difference between a studio match and a house show match. And uh, to, to just get off subject a little bit, I remember more than any other wrestler, uh, Mr. Wrestling number two, his house show matches were so much better than television matches because he had time yeah. to to just do a lot of his little things that he did uh, in in house shows and so so this was a treat when I found it uh, way back when and I've I've gone back over the years and watched this uh, uh, many times but but yeah feels right on uh, you know scientific match shaking hands before during and at the end of the match and 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 kind of a good way to get started. Yeah, they even hugged. They hugged. They hugged at the end of the match. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Embraced. That's interesting. We missed the wrestling because I remember very vividly one of the matches that he had with Magnum TA in Houston was was particularly good. Um, the problem with some of the stuff now is that there aren't what I what I would like. And I'm sure you guys would like as well. Is Mid South House Show, whatever, and it's just everything pieced together. But what you get, what you tend to get is if you search Terry Taylor versus whoever you might get a match from his in 85 or 86 or 84 but they're not put together so it, it does it does take quite a bit of um searching around like the, the episode that um i think dan and i are going to do in two weeks is kind of like a like an overview of some of some stuff that happened in february and we've got a few house show matches to look at um, and again i've stumbled across them but this the, the you, you could probably piece together most of the show, but it's almost like you kind of want someone on YouTube to do it for you. So they're all in the same, same thing. But yeah, I think 86 is going to be an interesting one for this um, to try and, you know, cover this promotion in any real level of detail. Um, up next, we had Wendell Cooley, another one of my favorites. This is the one man gang um, who interestingly, I, I, this, this show I'm guessing on a Tuesday, I just watched a match between the one man gang and who was it? One man gang and 
Crikey, who was it? One Man Gang. So it's not a very good story if I can't remember who it was against, was it? <laughs> I'll, I'll come back to that. One Man Gang versus, but Dave Meltzer gave it minus two stars. Who on earth did he, was he up against? Some some young baby face. I'll, I'll come back to that, that. Was that two stars or minus two stars? Minus two stars. Yeah, minus okay. two stars. I haven't got my notes on this laptop. I will I will check that one you, you guys are talking and, and fill you in. It was from Super Brawl 6 in 1996, just before the end of, kind of a few months before the NWO angle in WCW. So it's kind of like a weird time. Anyway, so... Um, Jim Ross popped up out of nowhere for commentary on this match um, that, that must have had at some point on Power Pro Wrestling the following year because he said this match had taken place last year at WrestleFest. Um, and again, the, the thing that was slightly strange here, and I don't know whether there was a problem with the underlying um, soundtrack, you know, the sound from the arena, but there was no sound here apart from Ross. And he was talking about the upcoming show at the Tulsa State Fair and it's... Um, I think Terry said uh, Friday night, September the 26th, 1986, um, main evented by a, a two-ring, $100,000 battle royal. Plus, if you got a, rest, a ticket for the wrestling, you got uh, to go into the fair for free. Do you remember that at all, Phil? Is that is that one you can remember going to? I, I was not I was not at that show, um, for sure. I do remember when the two-ring two, two battle royal started like that, that mm. That, that earlier I can remember uh, uh, being able to watch Georgia Championship Wrestling at the time, and probably a year or two before that, they probably had a big one, if I recall. And uh, uh, so when it came to Oklahoma, I thought it was going to be quite a good. But no, I did not get to go to that one. But I do remember it being advertised. And uh, just out of curiosity, Jim Ross gave the phone number uh, for tickets. I called the number. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Unfortunately, it has been disconnected. Oh, so, oh what a shame. Just want to see still sitting, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. I, I very much encourage that. Um, at this point, I actually switched to WWE Network um, briefly. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm basically, I'm, it did have the crowd noise on the WWE Network version, which, which I think added a lot to the match. Um, it end, this match ended after a bit of a botch, unfortunately, when Cooley leapt out of the corner and the gang didn't catch him properly. Um, he followed up with a clothesline and then won with a big splash in four minutes 42. There's a lot of odd stuff between these two versions, but something I found, and I'm not sure if any other humans on Earth would find this particularly odd, but the difference between the YouTube version and the WWE Network version had a different angle for the finish. Which I cannot, I cannot work out. Really? Yeah. So, so basically, um, yeah, there was, it was slight, it was, and it was markedly different. It was not like a reverse. It was just a different, different camera. So, at some point, a secondary version of that of this event has had to have been edited by somebody, and I don't know why. I don't know if this was to make gangs. Um, you know, his gang's finish looked better. I don't know. But I, that makes me think that this was on video at some point and that the WWE Network version is the video version, I think. Um, so that maybe there were some VHSs floating about. about. Um, by the way, the one-man gang match watched the other day was versus Conan. Um, and Conan went for a drop kick. Conan, this is kind of, kind of relatively early in his career, went for a drop kick. That I'd say there was two feet gap between him and one-man gang. And gang, unfortunately, did take the bump. So it was a bit awkward for everybody. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Not not the best. Uh, Terry, what did you think of this one? Well, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the one man gang and, and uh, he, he's always fun to watch uh, to me. Uh, I, I will say um, I'm, I'm Facebook friends with his wife. And I, and I think oh, wow. I think one man gang is uh, does have the covid right now. So uh, if everybody, you know, kind of oh, keep boy. it in your thoughts, uh, 
uh, and, and hopefully, you know, he gets out of that. But, uh, yeah, just he, he's fun. I love when he does his little uh, – I'm not going to try and try and do his little noise he does on the, uh, his moon or whatever he does. Uh, but right. uh, that's all fun. And, and he's uh, – you know, these kind of matches for me, not so much, but 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 him brawling in a main event against somebody like Hacksaw Duggan, you know, that's that's what that's what one man gang's supposed to do in my book. So what did you make of this one, I felt? Well, um, I like to sometimes remind our, our, our younger fans uh, how we viewed this stuff back then. You know, back in the in the mid eighties, uh, anybody who had uh, a kind of a edgy persona like this you know, he's carrying chains and, and kind of got the, the uh, rough biker edge tattoos. You know, anybody with tattoos and carrying chains, you know, that was uh, a lot of a, a shock value back mm-hmm. then, which we just see so much of it now. Uh, you know, it doesn't make a bit of difference at all. But, um, yeah, this one had a, a little bit of rough ending because uh, Cooley jumped off the, the ropes and gang was supposed to catch him. Yes. yes. And, he dropped, and he dropped him. Yes. And, and so then he finished him off with a clothesline. So uh, I did notice at, on the YouTube version at about 11 minutes and 40 seconds, as you can, as the first time I saw, you can see Bill after ringside taking photographs. And you really, that's great. Great yep. spot. He's yeah. on, the, on the left, left side of the, on the left side of the ring. And he, he spends a lot of time there during the matches taken. So taking that just goes to show in the context of this at the time, this was a big show. So doesn't yeah. it, that he would travel from New, I think it was New York based, wasn't he? In terms of um, traveling over there. So that, yeah, that's really interesting. But by, by, by the way, Bill Apter is one of the nicest guys in the entire wrestling profession. If you ever have an opportunity to bump into him, just a super, super good, good guy. Mm, that's great. I, I, um, he, we didn't used to get pro wrestling illustrated, unfortunately, but I think we used to get some of the family of his, uh, we used to get inside wrestling, which I think was Apter as well, wasn't it? I believe. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So we get inside wrestling here, which is, which is always very confusing to me because it was, very out of date, but there's a lot of new. Then you'd learned loads of stuff that you didn't know because it was kind of it was kayfabe ish, wasn't it? But it wasn't. It was like a hybrid, wasn't it? I think. I think they didn't allude to. Am I right in thinking that the Abtomags didn't allude to the to it being a work, but they would talk about like, uh, let's say, I can't think of a good example. Um, Who's a bad wrestler? Who's someone that's you know not 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 wasn't ever great, particularly great in ring, and maybe derided someone like that? They would talk about them being a like a bad wrestler in inverted commas. I think I'm right in thinking this, um, even though perhaps they might have been on screen. They were winning matches. Does that does that make sense? Is that your recollection of it that you can recall? It it, it does. I, it, yeah. it does. I, I it was in it between was always, the lines, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I think it was always a work. But yeah. I, I think sometimes even when they gave some of the behind the scenes stuff, I think that sometimes that was a work as well. OK, you know, because <laughs> because it was like they had some writers who were heels and they had some writers who were baby faces. Right, almost, right, right, right. You know? okay. uh, but but I, I, I remember back probably from 82 to 84, I had subscriptions to Pro Wrestling Illustrated, Inside Wrestling and the other, there was a third that was kind of part ah, yeah. of the wrestler. The wrestler. The wrestler. Yes. Yes. The wrestler. Yep. 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 Terry, still I still have, have a lot hundreds, of those laying around. I still have, I have hundreds from the seventies yep. and the eighties. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Yep. Me too. That is great. I wish I'd kept, kept all my stuff, but I just, um, as you move, move places, I, I've just 
yeah, I used to have a load of WF magazines, a lot of inside wrestling. I haven't got any of that stuff now. And you just, I wish you could make, unfortunately, when you're like 12, you don't really know what you're going to want when you're 40, do you? Right. So right. It all out. right. Um, next up, we had the Barbarian. I thought who got a great reaction um, up against Brickhouse Brown, um, who also had a decent amount of cheers as well. And um, I think I've got this round the right way. I think the Barbarian called Brown a weasel in the early stages. And then some of the members of the crowd seemed to enjoy this a lot and kept, Getting, trying to get this chant going, even though Brickhouse was also kind of a face as well, wasn't he? So I guess maybe a few heel. I think Barbarian at this point, it was around the time Jake had turned, wasn't it? So I think he was kind of sort of turned by proxy, but never really was. And then he left after this, I think, didn't he? Um, basically, this was pretty good. After just over four minutes, um, the Barbarian slapped on the full Nelson and the ref called for the stoppage um, after Brown basically couldn't continue. And in four minutes and 53 seconds, um, I thought this was 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 really enjoyable, actually. Um, and you could hear in the background, Ross started to say that the next match was due to be Dr. Death versus Kevin Von Erich, but then he cut off. It cut off basically, so I didn't know what the end of this was going to be. So, Phil, um, what do you think of this match? Do you have any memory about Kevin Von Erich and what might have happened on this? Well, you know, it, it's shocking to me that they had to have WrestleFest '85 in Oklahoma and Doctor Death not be there. Yeah, that's just shocking that he wasn't on there. Now, um, I heard that comment as I've seen. You know, obviously, I've been down. Von Erich's one of my favorite. Uh, wrestling um personas uh, you know i always enjoyed um wccw when we could get it and attended a few things there but um i don't remember kevin and dr death ever wrestling oh really? i don't i don't have that i don't have that memory now i don't know if it was i just don't of course if you'd asked me what any of the matches would have been before i viewed this i probably couldn't remember any of them anyway mm. right but i remember um, and to your point about the, the weasel comment, I found it strange. I don't ever remember uh, the Barbarian being fan favorite, but obviously they're cheering for him. At one time, the crowd starts a chant of Brown's going down, Brown's going down. Yeah, yep. really, really written, right? Uh, I was trying to catch what was written on Barbarian's T-shirt. There's two words, and I can't – the first word is weasel. Weasel slapper. Okay, thank you. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. I was wondering what that was on there. So, yeah, I, I found it shocking that uh, uh, Brickhouse was not the fan favorite here. Yeah, it's strange. On the um, uh, Kevin Von Erich and Steve Williams thing, according to Cage Match, they never had a singles match uh, ever. Now, it's pot sometimes Cage Match, um, especially for things like spot shows. So, like maybe not the main, you know, the main arenas. And, and seeing, and at that time, that, that was absolutely two of my very favorite wrestlers yeah. uh, top 10 if not top five i just i just would have remembered that i'm just i was shocked when i heard jim ross say that because i've never seen that match so they they teamed once in uh, in oklahoma in january 83 against the moon dogs um and then they were they were on the other side of the actually uh no, so they, they a couple of times what uh actually yeah sorry they probably teamed slightly more than they have against each other been against each other in a couple of tag matches one with Gino Hernandez um against Kevin and Mike Von Eric and also um Williams and Adams uh versus Kerry and Kevin that was 
not too far before this in uh, March 85. And then um, the last time they were in a ring together, this was for New Japan Pro Wrestling when it was, a, it was um, Kevin Von Erich, Steve Williams and Super Mario Man, who I don't know who that is. Ray Candy, that was a Kareem Mohammed um, versus a T- Antonio Inoki, Keiji Muto and Kengo Kimura, who I don't know, but I've obviously heard of the other two. Um in uh, Fukuoka, Japan. So that's the last time they're in the in a in a wrestling ring together. Sadly, um, Terry, what did you make of this uh, Barbarian and Brickhouse Brown match? So I, I don't think I'm giving away any spoilers, and, and I think we've talked about this before. Uh, the Barbarian did have a little mini uh, babyface run when him and Jake teamed against Dr. Death and DiBiase. Yes. Um, yes. And, and, and of course, you know, what my memory, the only reason I really remember that is because I think I've shared some, uh, some photos on Twitter that the night that DiBiase smacked the fan in the parking lot. Uh, I've, I've yes. got, got pictures of that from the parking lot. And that night uh, it was absolutely DiBiase and Doc against uh, Jake the Stake and a Barbarian. Yes. And, and 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 Jake Jake and Barbarian were the baby faces that night, uh, and yeah, his, his thing was calling people weasels, and so his shirt said "Weasel Slapper" on it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, you know, I, I, I say this every time I see Brickhouse Brown, I forget how jacked up he was. Yeah, uh, and I, and I know we've had this debate before on why wasn't he a bigger star, and and I guess it just. It had to be the promos. Mm. It, 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 it absolutely had the promos. Now, if, if you look at him next to the Barbarian, he's not a big guy either uh, as far as height. Um, but, but he looks good. He's a good wrestler. Uh, but, but he never really crossed that threshold, you know, to being a, being a superstar in the Mid-South. Uh, yeah. But the match is kind of what you ex- would expect. It, it's, a, it's a good opponent for the Barbarian to, to defeat Stanley. And and you know, kind of keep his 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 uh his heat and, and keep him on top. Yeah. I thought this is this is good fun. And and we can continue with good fun because I really enjoyed this next one, which was Eddie Gilbert and Jerry Gray uh, versus the Fantastics, who got a great response from this Tulsa crowd and um, with some of the ladies very, very pleased to see them. And uh, they got the full-on superstar entrance here, filmed from the back of the stadium, and it went on a long, long time. I guess basically giving the people what um what they wanted. And um, did Phil, we talked about this off air. Did you catch who the second was here? I do believe I know who that is um, uh, because at these events leading up to it, you would have contests on the radio to call in and win tickets. You know, if you're the right caller, you would get mm-hmm. tickets to the show. So these were also big promotions for radio stations. If you notice, and I believe there was a concert there that day, but mm-hmm. uh, if you, if a certain angle they'll show, sometimes you'll see the gigantic black wall. It, those are stack speakers. These are yes. yeah, a yeah. massive, massive sound system. Okay. So uh, events going on all day long. Like I said, it's probably the monster truck rally that night, if I remember, but um, the, I believe the second was the radio DJ that you would call into and he was promoting the show all week long on air. And I'm going to, I'm going to try, I've probably got some friends in Tulsa. He's probably a super popular radio DJ at the time on the most popular station. I believe it was 107 King radio. Um, I'll check the name Howard's coming to mind. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to find out, but I think he was just the, uh, not a 
celebrity, but a local radio celebrity. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, and so probably did, he had probably had some time on another stage where there was a, a rock concert or something going on there too. But he gave a lot of those people tickets probably. Right. Um, the Fantastics cleared ring early on with some drop kicks, smashed out a pair of struts, then a huge high five. And the only thing that would have made this better is if they jumped into the high five rather than staying on their feet. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, that would have just made this perfect. And there was a chant early on that I think was directed at Gray was so good in this match. Um, and it sounded like shave your back, but it, I don't think it was that. Did either of you get what this chant was? Because uh, the crowd loved it and it was Gray was just going mad hearing it but um yeah i couldn't quite work out what it was well i'll tell you I, what i, I thought i heard Go you, on, you yeah. know what you heard terry terry do you know no, no i don't know okay um because i thought it was very unoriginal what i thought i heard was jerry's going down <laughs> i thought well oh okay they were down <laughs> brown's going down and i was trying to catch it and the best i come up i might be way off it may not be that at all uh, but yeah, as Jerry's going down as the, you know, the crowd was chanting and he obviously would let them know that that really bothered him. Yeah. So, well, well it, and that's pretty smart too, because, because anybody with any wrestling knowledge at all, when you saw these feet, these four people come into the ring, you knew without a doubt who was taking the pinfall. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> I thought that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Basically, this this went on. Rogers loved this so much that he went out and hugged an older lady in the front row just because he could, and then joined in with the chants. This was just brilliant. And what wasn't quite as good is someone brought a cowbell with them. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of cowbells. Yeah, yeah, yeah there was a lot of cowbells. Well, see that part of the uh, this being in Tulsa is very, very, very close to the town of Stillwater, Oklahoma, right, okay. where the second state football school is, which is Oklahoma State, not the Oklahoma Sooners, <laughs> but the Oklahoma State Cowboys, right? So ah, Tulsa is okay. the 50-50 split, and I tell you what, at those football games, it's all cowbells, right? Oh, so okay. these people carry those cowbells to wrestling matches and football games, and 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 anywhere else they could get away that's with the it, sort yeah. of thing that i just like if i was stuck at a football match or something and had a, had a bell next to me i've occasionally been at them with with hot like air horns it's just, or, or i tell you what's awful as well then if you get this you probably do get this at u.s sports a lot as well but drums someone hitting a drum next year it's just like oh god yeah. i could just give anything I, you probably won't remember but the 2010 football world cup was held in um, south africa and there's this thing that was big at their foot their football games around that time called a vuvuzela and it was basically a horn that just made this horrific. It's like, oh, it was like, yes, you remember yes, this? Like yes. the buzzing All bit. Of, a long horn that people would hold out. Yeah. Yeah. That. It was like a thousand bees buzzing at the same time. So when you're yes. watching the game, all you could hear was this thing. And they, they before, so that the World Cup's in the summer, before the start of our football season in August, all of the leagues came out and said, you're not getting into one of our grounds for Vufu Zayla. Like, we're not having, we're not having it. We've had enough of that at the World Cup. But yeah, that's the sort of thing that I, I get stuck next to at something like that. Um, I thought this was really, really good fun. Um, Rogers and Fulton pulled the old tag behind the refs back gag that Hills usually used. Again, the crowd just loved it so much. Um, eventually, there was an extended beat down of Fulton, which led to Rogers getting the hot tag just after 12 minutes all four in the ring for a little bit uh, Rogers hit a monkey flip on Gray as he's been held by Fulton for the win in 12.30 hit a monkey flip that can't be right hit, hit like a cradle or something like that and um, for the win in 12.37 monkey flip what is it? Am I going mad? Is it 
the one called the Sunside? Uh, what? Sunset, uh, flip. Sunset, sunset Flip. Sunset Flip. Sunset Flip. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like, I don't know what that would have Yeah, sorry. Sunset Flip <laughs> for the win in 12.37. I've watched a lot of wrestling since I did these notes, to be fair. So I'm very, very jumbled. Um, really enjoyable tag team match. The crowd just ate this up. Um, Terry, what did you make of this one? Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, Eddie Gilbert's just a, just a great cowardly heel always yeah always was a good bump taker and and so and like you said jerry gray was great in this match uh i just think back into to the entrance how could, could can you imagine in the 80s to be lucky enough to be a single guy and be that guy to put the bow tie on and hang <laughs> with the fantastics right I, I, right i got i gotta believe that this guy's th- that's got to be in the top 10 highlights of his pre-marriage life uh right, right there right. that's been in that day there big time yeah big big yeah, time and I, but i did notice uh, during the ring entrance he you know he got to walk with them all the way from the back tent you know it was quite a ways they had back then that they would walk to, uh, from the good guy's tent right from the babyface tent but around the ring he wasn't getting any hugs and kisses right and he could barely get a handshake <laughs> <laughs> right and then and then at the end of it now it, it could have been now i think that's who that is maybe it was a fan that won a contest to get the second maybe but i, I do think he was a radio dj but um yeah he wasn't uh getting a lot of love the match was uh really good the crowd popped before during and after the crowd was really into it the the shirtless cowboys uh were just standing on their chairs right <laughs> big time this, this this is this is really really great uh, next up we had Jake the Snake Roberts versus Ted DiBiase and as Jim Ross said a lot business is about to pick up and the sun actually came out for this one and um, Jake asked the referee to check DiBiase's glove a wise move given Ted's previous propensity for cheating huge go Jake goes chance in this crowd and, and and this is this must be around the time that Jake turned and, and Jake's turn was so good because it, it the best turns either way when the crowd are pushing you in that direction anyway and you just go with it and that's it Jake was just a, a super over superstar at this point um was, and, was, and DiBiase actually was later the focus of the weasel chance well obviously playing into the the ongoing feud or the tag feud that was around this time as well um, Jake made his comeback around the 12 minute mark uh, but it was short-lived as he ran straight into the referee um, who lo- who took a great bump or maybe he was just legitimately smashed by Roberts here one of the two um, shockingly low this did not lead to a DiBiase win as he was loading the glove Roberts caught him with a DDT and the ref sprang back to lie to count the the three count in 13 minutes and nine seconds. I thought this was a really good match. I thought it was a great, great finish. Um, Phil, what did you think of this one? Yeah, good point on the ref bump. I made a note, first of all, when I watched this, made a note that I thought the ref bump, you know, would uh, cause Jake to lose the match, but it didn't affect the outcome. I hate to spoil it for everybody. There are three ref bumps in this, you know. The refs had a rough night. They had yeah. a rough night. They, <laughs> they a, did. Everybody. Everybody's getting bumped. Um, uh, I could see. Uh, did you notice Joel was the one a lot of, doing a lot of video? Yeah, but yeah, more, yeah. Did you notice Jim Ross? I, I saw. Uh, I did think I saw him once, but he was floating around, wasn't he? At the, at the ringside. Nope. During, uh, on this match right here, the entire match, he's sitting at ringside. He's looking right at you. It just if you if you go back to any of this match, you can see Jim Ross wearing dark shades. Uh, his just he's right up against the ringside, and you can see right in the middle of the ring his head and shoulders, and you can see him uh, take a drag off a cigarette 
every now and then. <laughs> but for some reason, he, he watched he watched this entire uh, thing for ringside. I don't know if he was there to sit, you know, with the, with the finish, with the loaded glove, and then the piece gets dropped, right? And and did we talk? We am I spoiling anything? Have you got no, 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 yet? no, no, not at all. No, yeah. we've done we've done the finish here. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you know, if you notice. Um, Ted DiBiase went to load the glove, mm. but he dropped the piece on the ground on purpose. Yes. He was loading yes. the glove, you know, but he dropped the piece. And then after the match, the fans are, you know, the ref was going to accuse uh, Jake of using that foreign object, right? That could go wrong if you drop that and don't know where it's at or something. I don't know if Ross was there to help spot. Ross spends the entire match ringside right up close. How interesting. Yeah, maybe that was that reason. That, that potentially was the reason why he was there, maybe. Maybe spotting. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, anything else on this one, Phil? No, don't believe so. I do know what they said they're going to take a break, take a break for the final three events. Yeah, yeah. Terry, what did you make? We'll, we'll talk about some of the, the odd things because it, it does start to get a little bit odd, I think, after the, the match, after the next one. Um, Terry, what did you make of this one? I, in my opinion, uh, Ted DiBiase during this time is maybe one of, the, he's definitely my favorite heel of all time. This, mm. the, you know, everybody talks about DiBiase as the million dollar man and this and that and the other being a great heel. To me, this this epitomizes the great heel. Uh, I love DiBiase during this time. And you write about Jake being being so red hot. Jake's kind of like that Stone Cold Steve Austin baby face. It's kind of like the the. It's not the typical white bread baby face. It's it's he's a he's a heel that is loved by the fans. Yeah, you know, that's a great um, example. I never thought of that before, but it's spot on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, because he doesn't change his stuff at all. Mm. Uh, it, it, and and so to me, uh, and again, going back to when I discovered this uh, many many years ago, this this was the match that I went to and and just wanted to watch as often as possible, a house show match of two of the best guys in the business from this time. Yeah. Uh, Jake, Jake was super hot, uh, super over as, as a baby face here. And, and, and DiBiase is the best heel in the world at, at this time. Yeah, here's, here's a, here's a question. And, I, and I, I've got a, fair, a fairly controversial think, thought about Ric Flair. I've got, that's becoming more of a theme in my mind um, because I've watched quite a lot of bad Ric Flair matches over the last yep. 18 months. Um, now I think there's a theme in a lot of Rick and I watched one the other day at Super Bowl. Now I know Ric Flair was 44, I think then. So perhaps you might say, you know, this is not the time to be watching his, but some of his kind of tick hash the champions matches, some of the pay-per-view stuff against some certain opponents they all seem to have chronically bad finishes. And we'll talk about the, the Dusty Rhodes finish in a, in, a, in a bit that's coming up. Would Ted DiBiase have been a better choice at this time to be the traveling NWA world champion? I, I, I am biased, mm. but, 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 but I, 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 think, I think absolutely. Yeah. Here's what I will say about, about Ric Flair. You know, uh, again, as we learn more about the way the champion was designed, his job was to go into every territory and make that challenger appear right. to be right. to have a legitimate chance to win the match. Yeah. 
And so, so I think that was the thing again, and I didn't see all of these matches, but that's what it appeared that, that, that flair had the ability to get in the ring against anybody in the world and make them appear to be a legitimate contender for the title. Yeah. And so, so again, that could be it. Uh, you know, maybe that's why sometimes he's better than others. Uh, but, but, Again, going back to your original question, I would have loved to seen uh, DiBiase be be the champion at this point because he he could be a babyface or a heel uh, at at this stage, and and uh, and and would have really been good, I think. What do you what do you think, Phil, on, on that? I would agree that at this time, because to, to Terry's point, a large part of the NWA's champion's job was to go from territory to territory and make that guy look the, the main because if if the nwa champ came into town and just squashed your best guy your promotion's going downhill yeah. you gotta look yep. like you got top talent so yep. we did not see all the territories we did not know he was doing that uh, uh we did not know that's what was going on but if he'd come in but you know harley race goes down to georgia uh tommy rich beats him for a week tommy rich gets the belt back that that raise the whole level of Georgia championship wrestling, mm. right? Uh, he, he goes in Florida that one of the champions loses it to, to Ronnie Garvin, hands of stone, right? For a week or two, right? Carrie Von Eric loses, you know, wins the title for, for, for a few weeks and gets about just, they let him win it. And I think Ted DiBiase would have been as good a choice as anybody yeah. um, at that time. Um, also, want to earlier a couple of other episodes you've done. I heard uh, you and your co-host, um, and they all do a great job talking about some of Ric Flair's matches and some of the repetitive things he started doing over time, like the the face plant bump that yeah. just looks ridiculous yeah. to us now. You got to remember back then he could have done it every single night of the week, and you'd see it once a year. Yeah, that's right. Be right. Again, we it's still the, once yep. or twice. Yeah. Right, right. We didn't we didn't see it all the time. The thing I think with Flair is that um, I think he's better as a babyface, and that's again that's probably a really controversial view. In ring, some of the stuff, some of the matches I really like with him is either when he's playing it completely kind of straight, like the Sting match. He's not cheating really there, so you, he is a heel, but he's not cheating. Um, there's some matches with Barry Windham again, like straight down the line. The Steamboat series, he's by the end, he's pretty much a babyface. Um, and then the match that I like more than any, I think, is the Terry Funk match, the I Quit match. Rick Flair, this this guy who's like a kind of cheating coward for all the song, he's like Steve Austin in that match. He's like he's like an he's like an ultra aggressive like. He's just on it. The crowd are going mad for him. But I guess you, what you, you guys have said are completely right. Flair was playing a role at the time. And, and again, what we, what we, we'd all go to a show if we were together in our local ta- you know, our local um, arena. Let's say Jake Roberts, the babyface, challenging Ric Flair. Well, Flair's got a dodgy, you know, dodgy win, uh, you know, whatever. So, you yeah, know, we understand whatever, whatever you think about that. But, you know, whether we're looking at it from a smart fan perspective, it's not the time for Roberts or we're thinking it's a pure fan perspective. Oh, we was cheated out of it, but we'll hopefully we'll get it the next time. So that that does make it difficult, I think. And I think the fit, the bad finishes age, so, and again, no one was thinking about, oh, I wonder what this guy on this podcast in 35 years is going to think about this finish. But bad finishes in the, in the era of clean finishes really do 
age badly, I think, in terms of, you know, looking and... They and certainly the, stand out. They certainly yeah, they stand do. out. Yeah. The impact on like a fifth, an otherwise perfectly solid 15-minute match, um, it, it does really bring it down several notches. Um, next. And, 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 sorry, sorry, and, let me, let me yeah, one other thing about the yeah. finish. So, because because I totally understand in, in hindsight when people watch this and people talk about the dusty finish and, and this and that and the other. I remember one night uh, in the municipal auditorium, it was, uh, it was Paul Orr Dorf against Bob Roop and it had one of those funky finishes it kind of like kind of like in this match uh the, the, but but what happened was Paul Orndorff was the good guy Bob Root pulls out the foreign object uh he drops it uh Paul Orndorff gets it finishes him with the foreign object well when the referee raises his hand he sees the foreign object so of course now the, the belt goes back to Bob Roop. yeah well if we watched that on TV today, first thing we would all say was, oh, that's funky, funky finish. But at the time, we were standing on our chairs, you know, mm -hmm. re rejoicing that Paul Orndorff finally won the title. And then when he got robbed, we all were just, you know, again, we're all suspending disbelief and, and we booing him. And, and, and at the time, we're not thinking, oh, this is a crappy finish. Yeah. What we're thinking is maybe next week, Paul Orndorff will get him in a cage where this can't happen again. Yeah, yeah. You know, so at the time, those funky finishes weren't a bad thing, you know, uh, so to speak. It, it, it got you frustrated as a fan, but it, it made you say, okay, We've got to find a way to get a match next week where Paul Orndorff can't get cheated. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. so it brought people back at the time. It it, it wasn't as, as 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 frowned upon as it is today. Yeah, I completely I completely see that. I, I suppose with everything, it's about and I'm sure it was tough, especially especially when you when you got territorial world champion coming in. It's what do you do? Because if the babyface is not going over. Do you kill? Do you kill that? I mean, there's an argument there. Maybe you have a you have the underneath baby face going for it if you want a clean finish of an game, which I'm sure they probably did to, to beat that number two, and then maybe they go heel after that. That's that's another way. But again, you've you've got to kind of there's only there's only there's only so much so many ways out of these. And obviously, you're not going to turn down having the world champion in your in your territory because you need it for the for to draw. So um for the for the events that they're there. So yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Um. Next up, Dirty Dutch Mantel going up against Hacksaw Butch Reed. Uh, Mantel had his whip and Reed came armed with a steel chair. Um, the weapons were deposited and the match got going to a chant of Hacksaw, Hacksaw. Um, I think we lost a little bit of footage in this match as, as they had a 10-minute call that was a couple of minutes earlier than my stopwatch said and they'd been fairly accurate with their timings throughout the show. Um, the ref was bumped in exactly the same way as he had been in the match before, which led to Mantel striking Reed with his bull whip. The ref counted two, but Reed managed to kick out, which I thought I thought that was a great uh, near fall. But it didn't. I don't know. I don't know if the crowd thought it was over or what. But this didn't get that big of a, of a reaction. Um, Reed took Mantel's head off with a with a superb looking flying left hand clothesline. <laughs> Um, he press slammed him and then pinned him in about 12 minutes. Um, I thought this was much better at the end than early on, but um, and I guess it's going to probably going to be a step down from Diviossi and Roberts. Um, but yeah, fine, I thought. Um, and this, I think this one led into intermission. But again, we might be on different, you know, different tapes and different orders here. And um, Phil, what did you think of this uh, Reed versus Mantel match? Yeah, I think it was good booking. Um, I would have put it before 
DiBiase and, and yes, you know, and Jake the Snake. Uh, uh, this is uh, uh, you know decent match. It's interesting. I don't think I'd ever seen these guys. It's it's just a good. It was something different in my yeah. opinion as far as putting these two together. Um, generally, most of their careers, both these guys have been heels. You know, of course, Butch Reed there did have a good time of uh, being a babyface run there. Um, um, a lot of uh, if you're, anybody's going to go back and watch this, uh, notice how clo- they do. There's more camera work outside the ring when they're outside the ring along ringside, and you can see how close the fans are. You know, yeah. it's up tight. They're right there on that railing, which was um, there's just a lot of good camera work, I thought. But uh, the crowd was into it, but not nearly as much as even the Fantastics, and certainly not as much as uh, Butch. I mean, as much fun as Ted to be are into it as much as. Uh, Ted DiBiase and Jake Snake. Yeah, indeed. And yeah, I agree with you. I thought the production um, was good on this, especially as we don't know what you know what was it, what the intention was. So I thought I thought this was very well filmed. Um, Terry, what did you think of uh, Reed versus Mantel here? Yeah, I, I agree with Phil. Uh, the, the placement on the card is is a little unique. I, I don't I don't know if if maybe they were trying to you know continue to elevate Reed at the time or elevate Dutch at the time or. The, the impact of the feud I, I don't know but 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 or, or maybe it was just as simple as Jake and Ted had to get to another town sooner uh, you possibly, know maybe yeah, they, were, they were head, heading somewhere else but but yeah uh, have, having to follow that match it was a little bit was a little bit difficult you know considering mm. you know uh, the, the matchup here but but it, 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 it was it was a solid match it just uh, was, was hard to follow DiBiase and uh, and and Jake, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so next, okay, so we. I'm probably going to. I missed. Sorry, go, on, I go missed, on, Phil. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I misspoke earlier when I. This was when they had the break, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And announced that there's going to be th- three more events. Yes. Right. It was after this one. I misspoke. It wasn't before that match. And was there not? You go. You're probably fixing to cover that, but go ahead. Yeah. What so this is really. I just don't understand the rest of this on either the either the YouTube version or the WWE Network. So next up on YouTube was the American Dream Dusty Rhodes challenging Ric Flair for the NWA World Heavyweight Title, uh, and this is where things just stop making sense between the network and YouTube. So according to Cage Match, this was the main event of the night. Um, but for some reason, this has been inserted earlier in the YouTube version. Now, Phil, I think we talked about this off air. You, you're with, yes. you, we think this, Ric Flair and Dusty is the last match, I think, isn't it? In terms of on well, the I've night. Two train of thoughts. Now, for me, this would have been the highlight match for me for sure because I was such a huge Ric Flair, Flair fan back then. Yeah. Uh, and Dusty Rhodes too, obviously. This would be, this would be the, the, the biggest event Mid-South could have. At that time to me, they could not have brought in two more popular wrestlers. They often brought in Andre the Giant, too. Yeah. But Andre and these two, they were the the top stars in our that 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 we knew of in all of the wrestling world. These yep. two and Andre. Um you would think these guys would go on last, but you know, we'll cover the the Bill Watts. I could certainly see Bill Watts wanting to go on last too. Did you do we know how it actually transpired? See, I, th- I do not remember. So according to Cage Match, um, the, the this match, the Ric Flair match, was last. Um, but again, Cage Match is not 
you know, not always completely 100% accurate, though it is more often than not. I feel like one of the giveaways, and there's, there's a bit after the flare match where I think we hear Ross talk about that's it for the wrestling and then something else about to happen. Maybe monster trucks, as you said earlier on, or something like that, or concert. Um, but I think this was last. But just when things couldn't get any stranger, the YouTube version had Japanese commentary over the top. Um, now, I'm presuming this must have, must have aired in Japan, um, and alas, my eight hours of Japanese lessons before my first trip there in 2018 did not mean I could decipher very much of this, unfortunately. <laughs> I probably should have done 16 or maybe even 24. And um, Flair actually won back the NWO World's title from Kerry Von Erich in Yokosuka, Japan, um, at the start of this current reign. So I'm guessing the NWA obviously had something, whether this was... I think there was a, there was a show that used to wear um, with some different promotions um and i'm guessing this is this is what that was in japan at this time and um, i spent more time than i should have done trying to think what do i do now do i what do i review this in this order or do i not so apologies you'll be maybe jumping around in your notes a little bit but what i decided to do was skip forward to the bill watts six-man tag match um to, to try and do this in kind of the order it was presented on the night so i'm moving forward to that and we'll jump back to flair in a, in a bit hey, um, um- Stephen, Stephen. Yes, I did. Try. I think I figured it out. Just go ahead. Go I'm watching, as we as we do these, I'm always playing back. Let me tell you, yeah. it's really obvious to me now. It had to be the sun is moving with each yes. match. Yeah. Okay. There uh, and the sun is is setting behind the pavilion, and the shadows are growing taller during during the Jake the Snake match. Um, uh, it was full sunshine. You could see Bill Ross in full sun. He's got on his sunglasses when it goes by the time we, and there's a lot of time in between these matches, right? So mm-hmm. this, this, this was a, this was not an hour and a half wrestling show. No, This was, this is well over two hours. Right. And the, so at the start of the six man tag, there's a lot more sunshine and the ring is in, in full sun, but for the Ric Flair match, the sun has set. And the, it's it's half in the shade. Yeah, it's much yeah. darker in the flare match, I thought as well, which is which is a giveaway, isn't it? Really, um, yep. Yep. yeah. So um, Duggan Watts and Dick Murdoch got a great All American entrance on a monster truck coming out to take on Akbar's army of Kamala. Kareem Mohammed and Akbar actually in the match himself. Um, all three got a great pop from the crowd, but particularly friend of the show, Bill Watts. Um, you know, huge cheers for him. Um, after the heels were announced, Akbar told the crowd that the nightmare would be substituting for him, uh, which the Tulsa crowd did not enjoy and, loca- and broke out into a loud BS chant, but not the not the censored version. Um, Watts got on the microphone and told a matchmaker to get Akbar's butt in the ring. Uh, Watts then went after the nightmare and Akbar, so it seemed we might have a three-on-four about to happen. Uh, the matchmaker then appeared, told the Nightmare to get out of there, and then the three-on-three match was on as intended. Um, I had no idea the Skandar Akbar was sporting such gloriously luscious, uh, easy me to say, gloriously luscious locks. What a haircut this guy had. Just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I, I need some of that myself to thicken what I've got left up. Um, the bell eventually went, and there was some decent brawling that the crowd were into, but quite a bit of stalling, as you kind of kind of imagine in, the, in this sort of match. Um, the heels got some st- sustained offense in on Murdoch, who did a good job making it look like he was going to make the tag and then failing to do so. Kind of a, a classic trope in tag team wrestling. Um, 
Ross made the call at ringside that 10 minutes had gone by, but I'm pretty sure that that was worked in this match because I had a, I had a, I had a stopwatch on and I don't think this even went 10 minutes. And I don't think there were any cuts here that cut anything out. Uh, Murdoch never did actually tag out that I saw. All of the men were in and around the ring battling until Watts got the win with his power slam, his stampede, Oklahoma power Oklahoma Stampede Pass. Oklahoma. Oklahoma yeah, Stampede Pass. I'm sorry, easy for me to say. Do you know what, um, Phil? I really struggle to spell the word Oklahoma. There you go. It's easy when you've got it on your... Um, yeah. See it on my shirt here? Yeah. I, I don't know. I always get. I've, I've, I always think the H should be further, should be nearer, the, nearer the, the front for some reason. I don't know why. But actually, looking at it, it's really simple, it's, isn't it? it? It's because we pronounce it O as an O-H. Oklahoma. Mm. It sounds like this thing. Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oakla, so Oakla, more correct, but we don't pronounce it. it. It's always in my note because obviously it comes up in the notes, and it, it's always the second attempt I get it right. And um, so basically, yeah, I thought the cr- the crowd made this one for me. This this was all about get the baby faces in there, um, you know, beat up the heels, a bit of a, a jeopardy spot for one baby face in, in um, Murdoch, but eventually, obviously, the the heroes are victorious. And um, Terry, what did you think of this one? Yeah, well, you just said it. The crowd made this match. Again, it's 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 something that, you know, I, I guess people listen to me on this podcast probably get tired of hearing me say this. This isn't one of those matches that you look back and say, oh, you know, that was a five star match. But at the time, at the time when you suspend in disbelief, it, it's 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 these are almost blood feuds you got going on with with. Uh, with Duggan and Kamala or, or Duggan and Zambui or Ray Candy or Agbar. And it, it, it's blood feud you got going on. It's brawls. It's violence. So, so yeah, the, the, the crowd at the time would have been into it big time, and all they wanted to see was the heels get beat up. Yeah. They, weren't, they weren't worried about a, a bunch of chain wrestling and arm bars and – and and you know big high spots they just wanted to see a a brawl and the good guys come out on top absolutely uh phil what do you think of this oh absolutely that there wasn't much uh, a wrestling at all of course you wouldn't expect normally the big men didn't have to the high spots were were before and after um but uh you know terry's talking about if he's going to rate it rated as a man if you're rating the wrestling there wasn't any wrestling but you know, a lot of big guys back then didn't have to wrestle if you can go back even look at uh though i was going to compliment the barbarian earlier he did a lot of holds a lot of locks he had yes. some you know he was wrestling he was actually a very good wrestler for a man that size he knew his craft um the but what terry was saying you wanted to see the hills get beat up and the crowd loved it the high spots was when bill watts would whip uh, one of them into uh, Murdoch and Duggan, who had double clothesline him at the same time. They did that both before and after the match. It must have got such a pop, they decided to keep doing it. So um, they really played to the crowd and did a good job. Absolutely. Um, the mystery of this YouTube version continued, um, as I expected to get a North American title match, but we didn't. It just cuts off. Um, so for the sake of thoroughness, I went back to the network for two remaining contests. And I basically, even though I still think these ran the wrong way, um, and I just don't, I don't get it. I think maybe, maybe at some point Mid-South re- it released this. 
somewhere but they and they put their north american title on last but i just don't understand why it was done in any other way um but we'll talk about the nwa world title match now between dusty rose and rick flair um with with ross clearly stating before the bell that this would be the last match of wrestlefest um flair got into it at the ringsiders and said to one sit down cowboy before i slap you which made me laugh um <laughs> The finish, we talked about this, we touched on this already. I mean, this was a wretched finish after 15 minutes and 20 seconds uh, with Flair defeating Rhodes by DQ, um, having been back dropped over the top rope and following yet another ref bump. And after Rhodes got the visionary pin on Flair, um, just as a paper cup somehow found its way from the crowd and hit Flair, incredible arm to throw a paper cup. Because, yeah, right, from a, yeah, yeah. Quite, I mean, it's I don't know how that. you do that, really. Like, yeah, quite incredible. Even if it had water in it, that's all going to come out. Um, Rhodes backdropped out of a pile driver attempt, attempt, suplex Flair back in and then pinned him. But the referee who'd been out on the outside, who'd be down on the outside, had seen the original backdrop over the ropes. Um, and I just think I, I get it. Like, I do get it that sometimes you've got to do this. But I, I do wonder in 86, because 86 was the, sorry, this is 85. By 86, um, Dusty Sillers Booker and Crockett started to struggle drawing wise in this time. And that, that all led eventually to the financial difficulties in the South to, to, um, to Turner. But yeah, I just think this, this was, oh, I know I'd, I'd almost rather it was a flare small package or with, with the tights or I'd rather, I'd rather that than this, but then I, I guess the argument is you don't want Dusty Rhodes pinned, but there we go. Um, I didn't think this was this was a flair classic. Uh, I thought this was just there. Not offensive, but I wouldn't go as far as good. Um, Phil, am I being unkind to this one? Did I did I let the finish blur my my view of it, or or is that about where you would put it as well? No, it was no, it was. I mean, it was an average match at best. They were there, obviously, doing what's a favor and you know getting a paycheck. It was not. Um, like a lot, you know, Flair and, and Dusty had some really good matches. Yeah. Uh, in, in years gone by, that was not one of them, which was fine. Now, over the, um, you might have been disappointed in the finish, but uh, as I was listening to some of the other podcasts earlier, you guys have been talking about some of the rules about coming off the top rope being disqualified. Yes. Yeah. Going over, you know, that was to, to give a way out for, uh, you know, for the, for the, heel champion to getting beat up by the bad guy, but he could throw somebody over the top rope, get disqualified and keep the belt, obviously. But we know all that. Same thing with with off the top rope. So, you know, uh, I think there the finish was to imply that, you know, Dusty didn't throw him over, that he was just powering out of what was fixed to be, um, uh, yeah. you know, a pile driver. He 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 bested Flair. He blocked it. He, he tried to send him over. He wasn't throwing him over the top rope on purpose. And, and and so the finish, you know, it made sense to us at the time. Yeah. Um, Terry, what did you make of this? Yeah, going back to what we were talking about earlier, uh, you know, even when Junkyard Dog was at his height in the Mid-South, if you brought in Dusty Rhodes, Andre the Giant, or Ric Flair, it was still special. Mm. You know, so so bringing these guys in were definitely a special attraction. And, and, uh, and then the other thing is, again, talking about Ric Flair – we can go back and we all know about his steamboat matches and his Terry Funk matches. But I think if you really want to see, uh, you know, what made Ric Flair special at the time, 
you know, maybe get on YouTube and Google Ric Flair in Southeastern Championship Wrestling or Ric Flair in Portland, and you'll see him come into those places and, you know, uh, and, and, and wrestle guys that, that, that maybe not aren't as high up in, on, our, on our scales and, and still make them look like megastars yeah. in some of these smaller promotions. And so, uh, yeah, anytime you hit Flair and Dusty at, at this time, it was a special event. And uh, I think it was more about that than, than, than almost even what occurred in the match itself. Yeah. Just being there. That sold a lot of tickets just having yep. them there. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Indeed. Did I, were either of you able to watch this last last match? Because this is only on, only on the, net, the WWE Network Peacock. I keep being reminded that WWE Network doesn't exist anymore, that it's Peacock in the States. So were either of you able to watch this this last match between um, the champions, aka the Nightmare versus Wahoo McDaniel? I did not. I, I did not get to see that match. That's why. Right. I, that's why I was asking you earlier in the week when I when I messaged you. They said there's three events, but I only got to see two. Yeah, so. it's weird. What, what, what about you? What about you two? Because I'll, I'll run. I'll run through it. But were you able to? Did you watch the YouTube version or the um, the uh, uh, the network version? I'll never get used to saying not the network. I I, I actually uh, I told you know I mentioned I've watched this many many times. Mm. I didn't even know there was another match. I, I yeah. didn't know there was a North American <laughs> title match. So no, I, I I've never seen it. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't up to much. So um, this was the semi final. I'm pretty sure it's the semi final of the night. And this was um, basically uh, the champion versus Wyatt McDaniel, um, who had also with him a belt, which I believe was the NWA Florida Tag Team title, which he held at the time with Billy Jack Haynes. And Wyatt, who had recently celebrated his 47th birthday going to this title match, and he was going for a title that he'd never had in his illustrious career. Uh, Ross was working the clock again in this, as he said there was. Uh, basically he said there was five minutes gone by but there's nowhere that actually was and actually according to my stopwatch the finish came in four minutes and 44 with the Nightmare losing by DQ and Eddie Gilbert interfered and this was after the Nightmare had been beaten down throughout the whole match and also suffered a low blow that the useless referee missed uh, McDaniel then beat down both with a stick of some description uh, I don't really know what to make of this and obviously I can't ask you guys but it just was odd that the Wahoo McDaniel obviously like a legend, but came in to beat down the promotions champion completely and then lost on like a weird DQ. But yeah, a bit of a strange one. Any any thoughts on I don't know if you ever ever, ever saw uh, Wahoo at all around this sort of time, but yeah, I don't know if you had anything to add on that. Obviously, it's a bit difficult if you've not seen the match. No, but now I want to retract the two times I mentioned that they mentioned there's three events, but there's only two. I did not until you just mentioned just now, I yeah. did not realize I missed. Okay, that makes more sense. So that's okay. the that's the semi final, um, and I just don't understand why it's not on YouTube. Maybe because it's maybe because it's a bit of a nothing match. I, I don't know, but yeah, it's very odd. It's very odd. The YouTube you think one it is... was in the in the rich. Do you think it was at the end of the show like that? Or no, think I think it was. It was early? I think it was second from the second from the top. I think. Actually, let me have a okay. quick look on on cage match. Um, Terry, do you have anything to add on on this at all? No, but but I, I could you know I, I have had a chance to see many many Wahoo matches and and I could probably see him uh, you know uh, agreeing to come in for this event and being a big name on the card and just you know hey I understand I'm not going to win the title but uh, I, I'm not I'm dang sure not going to let uh, you know y- y- your uh, the, the champion make me look bad either 
you know, so so I can see Wahoo come, kind of coming in and, and and having that kind of match. Yeah, I think I think that's that's what this was about, wasn't it? This was this was big name on the card, big name on the marquee. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was according to Cage Match. This was after the, the six man tag, but before the NWA World Title match. So well, that on, makes on, more sense. Yeah, and Wahoo was more of a national star than the others. That makes absolute yeah. sense. Yeah, I, I, t- I tend I tend to um, tend to tend to believe that. Um, I really, as we as we close off this episode, I really enjoyed watching the show, um, primarily for the crowd and for the look, and just how different it was to watching the regular um, mid south television show. Um, and as I said, I, generally speaking, anything. Most things that look different and are presented in a different way is is always a good thing for me. So, um, yeah, I, I hope that we can find some more of these type shows and maybe some maybe some more house matches or even if I if I can piece some together for maybe our, for maybe our next review. As now some of the television television reviews are just going to be a bit a bit mix and match as we as we run through the year. So, um, Phil, final thoughts on this watch back of this event you first attended some thirty six and a half years ago. This was a great blast from the past. I really enjoyed this. I'm glad you uh, this one fell in to, to me. I'm glad you asked us to, to review this one. Uh, but it was great. Uh, overall, I'm sure I loved the experience at the time, and it was fun to watch it again after all these years. Yeah, fantastic. Would this have been a um, few beers at this, Phil, or was, or was you not of an age where you could have uh, could have enjoyed some, of the, some adult beverages at a show? Imagine quite a nice um, day out in the sun. Uh, um, maybe one or two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I always think sports and su- like sports, right? right, right. It's just, it's, it doesn't get any better than that, does it? Really? So I'm already looking right. forward to cricket. Cricket for us is our summer sport. Few beers in the stands. Can't can't wait. So yeah, really good stuff. Um, Terry, how did you? Uh, what did you think of this uh, this wrestling face? Obviously, that you've seen before. Yeah, it, it, very enjoyable and and. Uh, you know, m- mentioning the beer thing. See, I-, I grew up in New Orleans. So even though I was in high school or actually in, in 85 here doing this, I, I would have just graduated. But, uh, you know, w- when I was going to the Mid-South matches, even though I wasn't of legal age, we were still sneaking a beer or two. So uh... <laughs> rude not to, isn't it? Really? A little easier to sneak. It's a little easier to sneak them back then. One person to go buy them all. Right. Yeah, I bet it's <laughs> very difficult. I mean, it's even changed when I, when I was when I was sort of six, because our legal age is eighteen here for for alcohol. But when you were that when you were sixteen, seventeen, you could get away with it. I don't think they can. You, I, you can get an ID everywhere now. So yeah, it's very difficult. Gentlemen, thank you very much. We'll do a. I'm going to try it. I'm going to do a little bit of research and see if I can find another show of this sort of type or maybe some, maybe five or six matches from the same show. And we'll, we'll, we'll do that maybe in, uh, maybe in six weeks or so. And then we'll, we'll get some tele, when we've got some, some, a good run of television episodes, we'll have a look at some UWF stuff from, uh, from 86 as well. But yeah, I'll, I'll tweet out where people can find you on, uh, online and, and any final thoughts before we get out of here? Just thanks for having us, man. It was a great time. No, I always enjoy, always enjoy these so much. Uh, Terry, any any final words? Bit Jerry Springer, isn't it? Final thoughts at the end. Uh, yeah, for, for me, uh, it's just Terry. It's just Terry, <laughs> Terry, Terry. It's, it's just fun for me to get with you guys and and uh, and, and and share some of these memories and and uh, hang out a little bit and chat. Uh, yeah. So it's it's always a pleasure for me to join you guys. Very enjoyable transatlantic wrestling chat as always. And thank you all for listening and we shall speak to you all again very, very soon. Yeah, this is Eric Watts. And for all you phenomenal wrestling fans and fans of this podcast, please do me a favor. If you're looking at uh, more information about Mid-South Sports, Power Pro Wrestling, 
Universal Wrestling, go to universalwrestling.com and check out that website. It's a must-see.